Welcome to the LifePoint Palm Bay Sermon Podcast. We encourage you to make copies of this message, but please don't charge for those copies. If you'd like to know more about LifePoint Palm Bay, please visit lifepointpb.com. Hello, church. It's good to see you. Trust that you're doing well on this Sunday. It is the first Sunday in May, and this is episode 12 of House to House. Today we're headed back to Ephesians chapter 6. We finished up chapter 5 the last time we were in Ephesians. We're headed to chapter 6 now. Chapter 6 is packed full. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in here. Um, we're going to break it down and piece by piece. We're going to hit the first three verses today. And in the first part, when I come back in just a moment after our worship, uh, we're going to talk primarily to minors. Uh, those of you who the society looks at as minors and and really, the scripture doesn't make that distinction, but our culture does. But So we're going to talk to you first, and then in the second part, I'll be talking to all the rest of us, because all of us are children. And so we may be older children, and we may have older parents, or even parents who've gone on to be with the Lord, but in any case, we're all children. So we'll be talking to everyone today. It's great to see you. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Church, as we look at Ephesians chapter 6, um, I want to point out something that you already know. That when Scripture gives commands, it doesn't command us to do what comes naturally. Scripture commands us to do what doesn't come naturally, what's very unnatural. I'll give you an example. When Scripture doesn't tell us to hate one another, because that's easy to do usually. We find plenty of reasons to hate people. It tells us to love one another, and sometimes that's very, very difficult. It tells us that we are to give to one another. Well, I can know how to take, but giving? Um, it tells me um, to speak life. Why? Because it's much easier to speak curses and death. We get angry or upset or hurt in some ways. So when Scripture gives a command, remember this, the reason God's saying that is because we don't naturally go that way, but He wants to do something supernatural in our life by the work of the Holy Spirit. That's true today again as we get into this topic for children on obedience. And then next week when we talk to parents, how are we supposed to guide our children? And they all fit together. So we'll talk to parents next week. We talk to kids this week. I want to talk to those of you who are minors uh, to begin with, and I, I use that designation because our culture does. Um, Jesus would have been, as a young Jewish boy, he would have been considered a man at 12, 13 years of age. I mean, today, Jewish boys would go through bar mitzvah. Um, a girl would go through bat mitzvah, um, which again signifies that they're old enough to be responsible for their decisions before the Lord. That's really the whole point of that ceremony. So different cultures do it at different times. In our culture, we usually say you're that age at 18, that you're old enough to understand the difference between right and wrong, although you can much earlier than that. But you're responsible for your decisions, and you're held accountable for them in a greater way once you get to 18. But as we talk about what the Scripture has to say here at Ephesians, it says children. So put yourself minors in that category. Instead, you may say, I'm not a child. We're all children of someone. But minors, obey your parents in the Lord. And by the way, notice it says your parents. This is very similar wording that we had when we were talking about marriage. Wives, you aren't showing reverence or submitting to every husband, just your husband. Children, you're obeying your parents. You say, well, somebody else's parents would be easier to obey. I know, I've been there. But you have your parents. God gave you your parents. And it was a mistake. Even if you think it is, it was not a mistake. God knew what he was doing. And so children, minors, obey your parents. And you do this in the Lord. 
You don't just obey them because the culture says so or because I say so or because someone else is saying so. You obey them because the Lord says so. As a matter of fact, he goes on and says, because this is right. This is righteousness. This is my plan. Often we ask, what is God's will for my life? You'll ask that question a lot in your life. But when you're starting out and you're beginning to walk this journey with the Lord Jesus Christ as a child, as a minor, you know what the will of God is for you? The first part of God's will, the foundation of His will for you, it's to learn obedience. That's His will for you. Uh, Even Jesus learned obedience. The scripture says in Hebrews 5 that Jesus learned obedience through the things that He suffered. And so uh, it's something that, we're, that God wants all of us to learn. He wants us, the word obey, obey there, it's translated obey, it literally means to hear and line up with. In other words, I'm listening with the intent of responding to what I hear. That's what obedience really is. I'm listening. So that's the first step in this. How many times does your parent, one of your parents, have to tell you to take out the trash? or to clean your room, or to, or whatever other instruction, or be home at a certain time, or whatever the instruction might be. How many times do they have to repeat that? Because the whole concept, Jesus says, when you do this in me, you're listening with an ear and a heart to respond. And so, children, minors, obey your parents. Now, here's the neat thing about it. You say, am I going to have to do this forever? I'm always going to have just to do what they say? The goal isn't for you to do what they say. As I'm sharing with you right now, I can see off in the distance my daughter Katie. She's my oldest. I made a lot of mistakes with Katie. Uh, we do that with the firstborn because we don't know. Um, and, and so in many ways, firstborns, you're guinea pigs because we don't know what we're doing. And often with Katie, and she can tell you this, I would get on to her because she didn't do what I said. I was wrong in that. My job wasn't to make sure she did what I said. My job was to teach her to obey. Let me illustrate. Instead of coming and saying, Katie, you didn't clean your room, and I've told you 14 times to clean your room, and you didn't do what I said. Really, I'm upset because she's disrespected me, and I told you to do this, and you're not showing me respect and doing what I ask. But my job as a parent isn't so much to get her to do a particular thing, but to make sure that she learns how to obey. Why is that so important? Because learning how to obey your earthly parents teaches you how to listen and obey your Heavenly Father. They go hand in hand. And if you can't do one, you're going to find it difficult to do the other. So children, minors, I'm encouraging you in this. This is, it's vitally important and extremely difficult. Now, I'm going to tell you a secret, all right? If you've got parents around, tell them to put their fingers in their ears or something right now. I'm going to tell you a secret, okay? Just for you. Sometimes parents mess up and we don't do the right thing. Okay? Now, if your parents have their fingers in their ear, tell them to take them out. All right? But we do. We mess up. We don't always make the right decision. You say, I know. I've seen it. I I can testify. They they don't know what they're doing. I get it. Sometimes they know what what they're doing and you don't see it yet. But sometimes we're flat out wrong. But you know what? I love the fact that Scripture is not silent on this. Jesus, we have three accounts of Jesus before he turned 30. After he turned 30, we have a lot of stories about what he said and what he did. But before he turned 30, we only have three accounts, three glimpses into his life, and they're pretty short. The first is at his birth. The second is at his dedication, which happened when he was eight days old. And the third happened when he was 12 years old. It's in Luke chapter 2. You can go look at it. Maybe even take time when we break here in just a moment and look at Luke chapter 2. They're toward the end of the chapter. But it says that 
they came, his family came to Jerusalem for Passover, which was common for Jewish families to do. Jesus is 12 years old. He's hanging out in the temple. He's listening to the scholars and, and he's sharing with them and all. And this is all going on. And so his family leaves Jerusalem and starts back home. It was probably a caravan of them. It was probably quite a few. It was extended family. So they thought Jesus was in somebody else. You know, he was on somebody else's donkey, if you will. Uh, we would think, hey, he's in somebody else's car. And so they didn't realize it. And three days passed and they began to realize, wait a second. Jesus isn't with us. And so they, have to, they rush back to Jerusalem. They're worried. They're looking. They finally found him right where they left him, which was there in the temple. And he's talking and, and he's listening and sharing and all that's taking place. And his mother comes to him like any good mother would do. We have been worried sick. Why would you do this? You have worried us to death. And Jesus looks at her and his response was not disrespectful. He, he's like, why were you worried? As a matter of fact, it says in Luke 2, he says, why were you looking for me? Verse 49, did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. In this situation, literally, Jesus knew more than his parents. He understood more than they did. But I want you to notice what he did next. And he went down with them. He didn't say, hey, guys, I don't really need you anymore. I'm past that point. I actually know more than you know. I got this thing figured out. My heavenly father and I, we got this. He didn't say that. He went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up these things in her heart. And verse 52 says, and Jesus increased in wisdom. In other words, he increased not just in information, but in the ability to see life the way God sees it. And in stature, that means he just grew in size, and in favor with God and man. Jesus gives us a perfect, perfect example of what this looks like, that sometimes our parents may ask us to do things and they may not understand completely or even do the right thing. And yet, even in that, Jesus demonstrated it's appropriate, it's right, it's the will of God for us to learn how to listen and line up with. Now, that doesn't mean at times we can't appeal. I'll talk about that probably in another message at some time. What does an appeal look like? And this does not include abuse. All right? I want to be very clear on this. Some of you may be in situations, hopefully nobody watching this, but you may know someone who's in a situation where there's physical or sexual abuse or other types of abuse. There is no place in Scripture where that is condoned. As a matter of fact, there's direction given. God gives plans on how to deal with that and how others can come in, other extended family, church family, even the government, to be able to deal with those kinds of situations. That's not it. So that's a given. We're not talking about abuse. But in the normal course of day-to-day -day life, your parents at times are going to ask you to do things you don't understand, you think they don't understand, and you don't want to obey. And the scripture is, it's right. The will of God for your life, the will of God for my life when I was a minor, is to learn obedience. I want you to take a minute, ponder this. Maybe pray about it a little bit. Maybe you could even have a conversation if you're doing this as a family. Maybe ask your parents, what did this look like when you were growing up? How did you learn obedience? Could be an interesting conversation there. Take a little time, worship a little bit. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Action. All right, welcome back. Now for all... All right, church, welcome back. Uh, let me say first before I say anything else that sometimes these kinds of conversations stir up things, they stir up pain. And if you're going through something like that, don't go through it alone. Uh, there are many within our church who have experience and compassion because they've walked through very similar circumstances. So if you're struggling or wrestling, saying, I can't come to that place that you're talking about, please don't go through it in silence and just alone. Reach out to someone. 
um, you know, contact us, email us at the church, and um, we'll, we'll communicate with you. Even in these days where there has to be separation, we'll find a way to get in touch, all right? It's funny because as I was going through this this, uh, this past week, there were two things that were happening in my life, and it was amazing to see. They were examples of this honoring. One was I'm working my way through reading Laura's new book, uh, From Mess to Majestic, I think is the title. If I mess it up, Laura, I'm sorry. Sorry. Um, I think it's called Mess to Majestic. And, uh, but I was reading through it, and, and I told Laura, what I really love as I'm reading through it are the parts of her story that I've never heard, parts of her testimony. And, of course, Laura had an alcoholic father, and she shares some of the impact of that in her life. But one of the things I appreciate, even as she's sharing, there's not a, a hint of bitterness. There's not this resentment. There's an understanding of what her dad went through and then what she went through as, as well. And there's this honor that you can see. I don't agree with what took place. I don't justify it. I don't say it was right in any way. And yet God was still faithful in my life in spite of all of that. That's part of what honor does for us. It allows us to see people as they really are and still have compassion for them. The other thing that I was doing is I watched something, and you may want to watch this. It was on Prime Video. It was a documentary. Uh, It's called Russ Taft, uh, or Russ Taft, I think is its last name, and um, how I, or, or I still believe. Russ Taft, I still believe is the name of it. And it's the story of his life. And if you're like me, I was a teenager back in the days of the Imperials. Russ was the lead singer. So if you remember songs like, I listen to the trumpet of Jesus, or you might praise the Lord, he can work through those songs that that I grew up with. They were such a part of my youth. Um, Russ was the lead singer for the Imperials, and he was part of that. So um, I knew who he was, but I didn't know he was an alcoholic. I didn't know all that he'd gone through. He had a pastor father. His father was a pastor. And yet the abuse that he took from both father and mother. And he shares. He's very, very personal, very open in this video. Uh, And then what God did in his life. But the thing that really stood out to me, I watched the whole thing. And usually when I get to the end, I turn it off because I, you know, I don't have, I don't usually read credits and all that kind of stuff. But it popped up quick enough that I saw it. And there at the end, he, he dedicated this documentary to his mom and dad. And that caught my attention. And then he said this. With love, compassion, understanding, and forgiveness. Folks, that's honor. That's what Jesus does. He takes us and he pulls us, as Laura says, from mess to majestic, out of the pit, into life, into abundance. He does a work within. So these are some things that you might enjoy this week as you're walking through this or whatever stage you are in this area of obeying or honoring your parents. God bless you. It's great to be with you. Grace and peace.